Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello everyone, once again you're listening to Saturday Draft Live, but you're right, this isn't a Saturday. No, the boys have came up clutch once again, end of the season hype and all that, we're here recording on a Monday, beautiful Monday night, giving you the lowdown and the final results of season 5 of the ESSR Draft. It is myself, Jack Graham, and as always, delightfully joined... By Scott McLeod, how are we doing, Scott? I'm doing very well. We're we're on here on a Monday, which is fine because we are the longest run weekly episodic show on Suplex Retreat. Extra, <laughs> I think <laughs> so. It's fine. We're here on a Monday. And I, uh, it's a, uh, it's just this is what we boys do, isn't it, David? You know, you're you're here once again. That's a that's a full season under wraps for both of us mm-hmm. doing uh, Saturday Draft Live. You you had a rare old time doing it. It's been fantastic, and I hope it continues uh, for more seasons to come. Performance sure is self-ending. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before we, we crack on the proceedings, I'll just kind of do the usual spat, you know, where you can find a suplex retweet on Twitter, Instagram, our YouTube channel. Uh, find the podcast itself on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, and all good Android podcasts and websites. And of course, we've got our own website, suplexretweet.com. You'll find our full back catalogue there. Every single Saturday Draft Live show present will be on there. And yes, once again, this show will be on the main feed and the extra feed because we're just that damn good. Mm-hmm. And we're that damn popular. It's just true. <laughs> we've got to get for the people what they want, so we're... Uh, we're here doing it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll just we'll, we'll start as we usually do. You know I mean? The, the top three of the week, and of course, this had a lot of takeover and uh, SummerSlam implications this weekend, being at the, the final weekend of this season. And our top three, maybe no surprise, the top three is who it is. Dave, Asuka's third place, 13 points coming off a one in a loss at SummerSlam are you that's quite a predictable uh, superstar to be in the top three this week it doesn't surprise me but I think given you know what transpired at SummerSlam and the week prior it, I'm pleased to see Asuka you know finish the season on a high you know she didn't get off to the best of starts uh, but as soon as Ross uh, made her his team captain that's when she her stock just began to rise and with two title matches at SummerSlam, you had to expect she was going to win at least one of them. So, it, to be honest, it doesn't really surprise me that Asuka's in this position, but good on her. It's, um, it's something that's... As I sorry to say, you know, everyone loves a bit of Asuka, and uh, some of them they've not seen as much recently in the top three as being played by two folk in particular. Scott, Drew McIntyre's back in the top three of the week, sending with 23 points after a successful retention and a few spot appearances in Raw and uh, before his match in SummerSlam. This is, I, was, I was quite surprised at the retention for Drew here. What, what, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think uh, the whole, they had this whole tagline for SummerSlam that you'll never see it coming. 
and obviously it kind of ties into Randy Orange's thing of coming out of nowhere. So I felt like they, they'd almost like gave away to us, like, oh, who's going to win in that match? And then Drew won. I think it's a good thing, to not only like for, for Grant, because his captain gets like big points at the end of the season, even though it wasn't enough for a win. Uh, is good. Uh, he's got that big. That Drew finishes on a high. And also, it's a genuine surprise, because unlike his last few paper tail defences, you could have easily seen him losing. So it was a genuine surprise to see him walk out of SummerSlam still champion. And obviously, all of us here are big supporters of Drew. We're happy to see him uh, continue for however long, much longer he holds on to that belt. I mean, out, out with draft, I'm pretty happy. But obviously, draft-wise, I had Randy Orton in my team and it severely scuppered my chances of getting into the top half of the table. We'll talk about that in a wee bit. But Dave, you know what I'm going to say here. Bailey's number one, 29 yep. points this week. Mm-hmm. No surprises yet again. Absolutely not. Like she's, uh, I mean, she had an unfortunate week on SmackDown, but this uh, this SummerSlam title defense is exactly what she needed. Uh, but it's something that Stephen didn't need because he's already miles ahead in the in the leaderboard. So I think this was just uh, an emphatic uh, way for the top one percent uh, for Mister It's My Podcast to really just hammer it home. But there's no taking away that Bailey has been by far the, the most valuable player of this entire season with 246 points uh, overall, which is, it's unprecedented for a single draft pick, let alone a whole team from a, from a draft performer. I mean, 246 points, the, like, I'm lost for words. It's, it's staggering. It- uh, I agree with you, like, as if he needed any more points, then I actually assumed, I mentioned it on the, the finale, that it felt like to me that Bailey was going to lose her belt and Sasha would retain, but obviously they did it the other way around. And I actually believe this is the first time Bailey's ever actually beaten Asuka in a one-on-one singles match, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't, don't hold me to that, because I could be wrong. No, but, no, you're, you're absolutely right, Scott. Yeah, Bailey's now 1-5 against Asuka one-on-one. There you go. It took her a few years, but she was finally ready. But I, I, would, I would go a step further about being the most valuable player in this season. I think she's the most valuable player in draft history, period. Because, like, as I said, other than uh, two weeks in October before she cut her hair, uh, she's been a champion. And then she added the tag belts this season. So, like, I remember for a while, Seth was our most valuable player overall. And Bailey has long since, I think, eclipsed Seth. And that, yes, Bailey is number one overall this season, and Seth is way down at the bottom of the table. So I think even when Bailey eventually loses, has no gold, if there's a season where she goes into it with no belt, which I don't see happening until maybe even season seven, I think mm-hmm. she'll still be a, a bona fide first round pick and a good choice for captain because you never know. Because they mentioned that Bailey and Asuka have the same accomplishments except for one, and that Asuka is a former Rumble winner and Bailey isn't. But you never can get out barely being a member of the four horsewomen getting a win like that at some point. Mm-hmm. Like up to season four as well, Bailey is the highest scoring uh, draft performer in history, and this is only just going to add to her to her like resume in this draft. Like she now has a total combined score over all seasons of four hundred and thirty-six points accumulated over five seasons. Like that is how big of a scorer she's been over these seasons that's on that's just shy of 100 points every season 
Aye, so yeah, I'm always there. I had Bailey last season in my team, and I was maybe pretty stupid and not putting hard as my captain to begin with. Obviously, I thought, I mean, I didn't foresee that at Saudi show that the Fiend would have lost to Goldberg, but colour me stupid and not an actual wrestling fan, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before before we get on to the, the I was going to do top five this season, but actually looking at where things stand, if somebody can talk about if we do a top six. Uh, congratulations is an order within the podcast, isn't it, gents? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we here at Saturday Draft Live would like to congratulate Gary Kerrigan on uh, becoming our new ESSR podcasting champion after winning the, the combined sweepstakes of NXT TakeOver 30 and SummerSlam. Granted, Robbie, he was a good champion while he was at it, but... Uh, it's a, it's a victory for everyone that plays the draft here is not having Stephen Wilson winning this so we congratulate Gary well done yeah mm-hmm. fair play to Gary he's come a long way since the start of the season you know he may not have uh, he may not have uh, won won the draft but he's won our hearts and he's won the ESSR title I think that's a, a fair compromise we've said it for ages he's our, he's our one hope against Stephen and he is now because obviously Stephen we need to make sure he prevents Stephen from successfully winning his draft opportunity, you know. It's as a great band once said, and they say that a hero could save us. It's <laughs> 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 uh, uh, like this is a must show. Eventually we're going to get that big dirt, big title showdown. The, the Stevenson household explodes with mm-hmm. cousin v cousin Gary versus Stephen. And, you know, Gary, Gary needs to give, give even the you know the humiliating defeat he's been wanting to give him for for so long. I'm sorry, all I can think about now is Toby Maguire as Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> Big Trad Kroger man, Nickelback <laughs> legends. <laughs> oh gosh, Toby Maguire uh, Spider Man. <laughs> we're going to the top six this season. You're probably thinking top six is a bit weird, but after events that have transpired during SummerSlam. Keith Lee, who's sitting in 6th place with 88 points, is going to debut on Monday Night Raw tonight. Mm. How big of a shift is that in maybe some selections of draft that he isn't going to be a... Not that he was... Obviously, he's was, he was an absolute standout pick in NXT, David, but will he remain in that kind of first or second round selection come the draft show, or do you can see him drop down to the third round? No, I think very much so. Like, ever since last year at Survivor Series, you know, he's been in high demand to be moved to Raw or SmackDown. But it would be an injustice for him not to have at least either an NXT North American or NXT Championship run. Luckily, you know, he's able to to hold both at the same time, you know, a double champions, which we're still having on this podcast, might I add. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, David. Keith, Keith Lee is a... Moving to Raw, I mean, it's it's quite surprising that it's happening this soon, but I think it, in the long run, it's going to benefit benefit him greatly because, you know, he's a fantastic competitor, a very charismatic personality. It wouldn't surprise me if he was picked during round one or round two of the next season. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think at, at least he'll be a, a round two pick at the very least. I mean, I'd be shocked if we went as far as round three and nobody picked Keith Lee. I think maybe the move to the main roster is what might move him down a bit because obviously the uh, the maybe people are worried maybe uh, the next in a long line of unsuccessful call ups to the main roster and 
But I do think he's been so valuable since season three when I picked him post survivor. I think his whole title run was basically a case of Triple H clearly wanted him to have a run with the belt, but they were so what they so wanted him on the main roster, so it was kind of maybe a compromise. So he got that moment to hold both belts, and then before on his way out, he helped he helped build up one of your picks, uh, Jack Karen Gross, to make him look good on his his way out. Uh, I'm hopeful for big things for for Keeley. I'm hoping either end of season six or maybe somewhere in season seven we see Keeley walking in with singles gold, maybe a, a wee US title run. I mean, I would I would be against that. I was not that I was. I was. I predicted they cross and win. That's exactly they were building up cross and monster, but I wasn't expecting the move to Raw happen so soon. I thought maybe there'd be another match, and it would be like the takeover after he appeared at the Rumble. Then obviously did that last year, but he'd be at the Rumble and then appear in the Raw after or something. But I, it's maybe maybe throwing a bit of some draft plans out of the water, and you could say the same with our fifth place wrestler this season, Cody. Scott 109 points. Obviously, you know, I, I, I unfortunately had to make the bold decision of transferring out Brody Lee due uh, just circumstances of only getting two points in five weeks. The position I was in, I couldn't keep him, but he's still representing liquidated relegated, still the same fantasy team, fantasy team in uh, true light, and is taking this TNT title off of Cody, and has maybe seen a place in my team come next season, but uh, Scott, does this drop any stock in Cody's value come next season? I, I don't think so. He's a consistent part of AEW programme. He's pretty much the second biggest face behind Moxley uh, at the moment, because Moxley's also the champion. I think even if Moxley drops the belts in, Cody will then be probably positioned as the number one face in the company right now. And I think even with the uh, a successful title defence, he probably would have stayed around the top five, top four position possibly. Uh, I don't yeah, it was a big shock when he lost so decisively. And I was, uh, this is before obviously we saw your pick, uh, one of your picks carrying across with a big title win, but I was very disappointed Jack, that you'd given up Brody Lee because uh, even though Orton didn't win, this could have been a big Saturday for you if I can Brody and Cross winning titles on the same night, I would have moved, moved you right up into the top five. Oh no! It's uh, unfortunate. It's just it's just one of those things. Unfortunately, it's, uh, at the time I didn't see even a TNT title shot as in the near horizon for Brody Lee after like his kind of this the storyline of trying to recruit Cole Cabana into the Dark Order. I thought maybe maybe a tag title run or something, but I didn't think it'd happen so soon. But then obviously the coming weeks, Cody's challengers, uh, David, you know, they're getting progressively more and more difficult and seemed to have that kind of toll and effect on Cody that his body was going to break at some point and it seemed that Brody Lee is just pounced at the right moment and taking this belt is uh, Cody or even Brody himself someone you're going to be looking at next season I'm not too sure about Cody to be honest because he I mean he was uh, carried out on a stretcher so that implies me he's going to be off TV for some time so I would put Cody sort of further down the list sort of where he was picked this season he was picked number 34 so he was very very low down but he is still a very high scorer uh, for this season largely because you know he was defending the TNT title every week and he was also Alan's captain so I would actually prioritize Brody Lee over Cody at this stage, given that, you know, Brody Lee is now the new TNT champion, the new Tunnock's Tea Cake champion, and I can see him in the dark. I don't, think we, can, 
So I don't think we can really make that joke anymore now that they've finished the bell, unfortunately. And I think <laughs> that there's foes out there of them smashing up the old belt, so I don't think yeah. I think we've I think we've we've taken that joke as far as we can. Uh, the joke's dead just like the just like the season's now dead. So but <laughs> Going back to your original point, Jack, I, I can see Brody Lee in the Dark Order being heavily more featured on uh, AEW, so I would prioritise him over Cody in this case. I'd, I'd agree with that, because I think him, after like you had that moment of them all standing tall, I think him as a top singles player, and maybe even uh, Grayson and Uno as a tag team, I think the Dark Order stock goes up very much so in Season 6. And if I don't get Brody Lee and my team next season, I will cry on camera. <laughs> no. Right. Get make sure you're make sure we're filming Jack when something like <laughs> the the rest of the, the top fours, we've we've already spoken them all individually. Asuka's on 122 points, Sasha Banks 180, Drew McIntyre 187, Bailey 246. You've just got to see them four going straight away, but obviously we'll, we'll talk about what David Campbell said at the the season finale come Saturday there that if nobody drafts the Golden Role Models as a tag team come his draft selection, he is going to take them as a tag team. Scott, is he just trying to scaremonger folk or do you truly believe that he will draft them as a tag team? I think this is a strategy. I think he... We also know that Stephen is the winner of the season. He will draft last. We don't know where any of us will be drafting until the day of, until we're actually started. And obviously, he's obviously hoping that people are before him. He's gonna, he's trying to make people pick their goal and role models before he picks who he actually wants the team. Because we need to remember that the, uh, the the draft season officially starts from the Monday night raw following the selection. So payback will not factor into it. And I think payback is where they lose the tag belt and the dissension and the actual feud begins. And that's what he's counting on. When the, just as the season's starting, your tag team is basically null and void, and he's trying to harper the competition. You know, I I know I've known the goat for a while now. I see right through his his tactics. <laughs> Don't be hey. fooled, unless you're Ryan or Daniel or Alan or anybody else can be fooled, but not us three. <laughs> Everyone but the Saturday Draft Live boys will not fall under the guise of the goat, David Campbell. But I will just crack on for all you listeners with the final standings of... Oh, I don't, I don't, can I just say, we went through the top six, I like to point out how, how dominant she was, even though she got taken out like a month left for the season. Charlotte Flair still at number seven with 86 points, that's how dominant of a pick she was. And also it shows that I need to learn to not just have a strong captain, I need a strong undercard as well for my team next season. Uh, that's, that's something that... Uh, you and Alan can maybe think on for coming to draft because obviously Alan, Alan, he finished two hundred and five points. Nearly half of that was made of Cody. Oh yeah. So that if, if Archer had been Cody and Cody didn't have that run, I think Cody would have been well further down the top ten, and Alan would probably be close to dead last. I think. It's a, it's what it is. But we'll get into the the top ten, and it's a. An absolute goal figure for Ryan Gallagher here. 116 points in 10th position. I find it funny. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, get it I up him. Sorry. I feel sorry for him. Like, he, Look, I mean, he talked talk shite, and now this is what happens. <laughs> Look, he had a bold strategy, you know, going with outside bets. You know, you never know. 
and this is the the risk you take when going to the draft. You have to pick people who you think are going to be move, working their way up that pedestal. But this has backfired heavily on him. His highest scorer is Dexter Loomis with 39 points. And he didn't even appear at TakeOver due to an injury. Like, it's just been one run of bad luck after another for, for Ryan Gallagher. His lowest scorer, Indu's share, with five points. They only appeared, <laughs> like, twice over the course of four months. Like, it's... I don't, I don't mean to pile on here, but, like... I don't mean to pile on, but, like, Jesus. Indu's share has to go down as one of the worst selections in draft history. And the Loomis thing I do feel bad about because the way they position Loomis in his triple threat match, I think originally Loomis was probably going to be the planned winner of that ladder match, which would have been a big like, point skater. And just, I think everything that possibly could have went wrong did go wrong for Ryan. Well, mm-hmm. Hopefully this lights a, a fire up his head next season. Yep, it was a bold strategy, but it didn't pay off. Do we? You two may hope it does well next season. I need someone to occupy that relegation spot nicely because I, I don't want to be teetering down near that bottom. And knowing that Ryan would be a guaranteed relegation candidate next season brings much joy to my heart. <laughs> uh, someone that maybe not, might not be as happy as where they've ended up because if the contention of the double title win got them that extra four or five points, whatever, he wouldn't have finished ninth. Daniel Campbell, two hundred and four and a half points. Only half a point behind Allen in eighth at 205 points. Do you think uh, Daniel will have a bone to pick with Stephen Wilson next season? Maybe we have a personal rivalry there. Oh, I think uh, I think that will be the case. Like Daniel's going to be fuming the fact that he's, he probably should be, well, he could argue the case that he should be in eighth place. And I can see his point. Because we've been debating about the, the whole double champions, uh, winner-takes-all debacle for some time now. So I hope we get some clarification from the from Stephen Wilson himself to, to get that. But I think Daniel's team, I mean, as good as it looked on paper, it was actually very NXT-heavy. Because he had Keith Lee, Adam Cole, Io Shirai, and Drake Maverick. So two-thirds of his team were from NXT. He had one Raw representative with Natalia and one from AEW with the Nightmare family. Like, no representation from SmackDown, and I think that's what's let his side down. It was too too heavy with NXT rather than a, a good spread. Mm. I think like, it's very telling that he's in a position he's in at the end of the season, despite, like you said, two-thirds of his team there getting big wins at, at, at TakeOver this past Saturday. And uh, we did mention this now that it looked like he was going to leave us next season, but he's now sticking around. And honestly, with the way he keeps bringing up this Keith Lee debacle, like he, he could have the perfect season next season and like win the whole thing, and he'd still be asking for those extra points. Like he's he's never going to let this go. Mm-hmm. Like the Elik experience has basically turned into Fire Festival with that uh, with that performance. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that's that's our bottom three of the the table this season. Obviously, it's uh, said previously I could have been fifth, but I ended up seventh after the the shock of Randy Orton not winning and not having Brody Lee come the end of my team. It's uh, it's lessons learned, and we we carry on. But I will say that a lot of my uh, selections that I've made they've all they're all consistently about the same level of points. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like I can, I can draft a, a consistent team. It's just I need to learn to 
draft dash or high caliber folk. You know what I mean? I can get a good balance. It's just a matter of actually getting a bigger balance, if that makes mm. sense. Do you think you were a bit, in hindsight, do you think you were a bit hasty taking your captaincy off of Shayna Baszler? Um, I'll say yes, purely because she won them the three matches in a row. Mm-hmm. If that didn't happen, I would have said no, because I genuinely thought Randy Orton would have been a cert to win the... Well, actually, I put it on Iconics, didn't I? Yes, I was thinking did. Randy Orton. Yeah, 100% then. Aye. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a shame. It's a shame what happened with Iconics. I think they were, I think they were going to end the... Or at least start the dissension of the Golden Role Models, but they they decided at the last minute to kind of extend it, and I was a sucker that fell for it. Yep. So it's not quite uh, not quite relegation, but could possibly be liquidation. But at the end of the day, still, it's still the same fantasy team. Exactly. Always the same fantasy team. Scott, what happened? You're sick. What, what happened is... Points. What happened is basically like a cash cow in terms of, of getting points and Charlotte Flair uh, basically got injured and fucked off. I uh, didn't have a contingency plan. <laughs> and uh, also the fact that I didn't properly look into what was going on with the users before picking them. And the hindsight, if I'd actually picked the best friends, because like, the half of the season where I, I didn't have them as my team, they were doing really well compared to this half. Because like, they were winning almost on a weekly basis. So, you know, tag teams. My, I am a, a prime example of a tag team. This is how important they are to a team. Yeah, uh, you did. You did have some uh, bounce back with best friends as your as your tag team, but even still, best friends scoring thirty seven points when they're your captains, and like there there are teams in this draft that have been scoring thirty plus points uh, when they're not their captains. You know, teams like the Viking Raiders, the Young Bucks, uh, the New Day. Like, but Ross had the highest scoring uh, tag team with the Street Profits, thanks to a successful retention of the Raw tag titles at SummerSlam. You know, I, I think it's again, as I said, I, I saw they were the team to beat Hangman, and then and kind of say they were doing well, just not well enough for me. Mm-hmm. So, considering your team name next season, I think maybe you should pick a little less something over overconfidently, you know, because here we go, two in a row has made you fall flat in your face here. Honestly, I didn't pick it, but honestly, I, I have a name for for next season. You know, I don't want. I, I just wanted to get away from forty-four because, like, I had it. I liked the name for the first two seasons, and I thought, well, I won the last season, so I don't think I need to use forty-four anymore. I need something different, and uh, I let somebody somebody get in my ear and, and choose that name. But I've, I've got a, a name picked out for uh, for next season already. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not tell you. I'm not gonna tell you until it is late. Keep us in the loop, eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, David, you probably had the best performance grading place-wise even mm-hmm. after a uh, loss for Angel Garza at SummerSlam and I can't mind the rest of your team. Also, AJ Styles <laughs> lost uh, his Intercontinental title but you somehow managed to get into fifth position with 223.5 points. Mm-hmm. you fairly happy with your performance after the transfer window? Oh, hero, well, it was a hell of a comeback, and that transfer window was what saved my skin, because with the team of AJ Styles, Nia Jax, Shotzi Blackheart, Bobby Lashley, Angel Garza, and the Young Bucks, I, I'm, I sort of feel like it's in the same position as you, Jack. You know, it's a very well-balanced team, 
but you can tell who the big scorers were and that's what uh, paid off for me because the Young Bucks and Nia Jax both getting me around 33 points. AJ Styles and Bobby Lashley, 40, 45 and 43 points respectively. But amazingly, and I never expected a million years to say, my final pick, Angel Garza, was my highest scoring member with 56 points despite losing a championship match on pay-per-view. Uh, it's just the uh, thing that is maybe the, the stock of Andrade in Rogarza as single competitors or a tag team next season. Angelina Vega, come that second or third round, you've got to be thinking that you need to wrap them up pretty quick. See, if you get a singles, if you pick somebody individually and who's going to end up performing in a tag team, it goes to show you can still get mega, mega points for them. So mm-hmm. don't just uh, focus purely on like tag teams to win tag team gold you know think who individually could win tag team gold as well i think that could be a good strategy going ahead but you know what my team the phenomenal ones have made a phenomenal comeback and i'm just happy to be finishing in in the top half of the table so i'm representing here saturday draft live boys yes 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 you are but uh, <laughs> i won't let that happen next season you know we're, we're here to play it's friendly competition between the boys, but I feel like intending coming out on top. Yeah, but, uh, Grant McRobbie, what an absolute blinder of a season he's had. Unfortunately, uh, stuff didn't go his way come the end, but 338 points, fourth position, fucking fair play. You know what I mean? Mm, Can't argue yeah. with that. Absolutely talk, fair play. You talk about debut seasons as well. Like for The first few weeks, it was like, it looked like a two-horse race between him and Ross is Stephen slowly coming up behind them, and just how much things have changed. Uh, one of the few mistakes he made, I think, he was smart to get rid of Alexa and Nikki during the transfer window shortly after they dropped the tag belt, because obviously, look what happens here, because like they had well, Nikki going after the women's singles belt, and then uh, Alexa off in a thing with the Fiend in it. So yeah, that was a smart choice. I just don't think he was smart to choose FDR just yet because they were just established themselves in AEW, so they weren't, like, big point skaters. But, like, it's still a great position for him to finish this high up, and he seemed like such a favourite in the early part of the season, given that he was the first... It was his first season. Also, he had to give a big assist to the fact that uh, for somebody being so new, he got first pick and he got Drew McIntyre, because otherwise I think it could have worked out completely different. Yeah, it was a no-brainer for Grant to pick Drew McIntyre uh, straight off the bat and make him his team captain because 187 points for Drew McIntyre makes him the second highest scorer this season like as an individual pick. And the rest of his team did did okay, but it just wasn't enough to bump him up into the top three because he's got uh, some NXT heavy, NXT and AEW heavy picks. But again, maybe a lack of SmackDown representation is what let him down because he had Rhea Ripley and Johnny Gargano and Dakota Kai all from NXT. And from AEW, he had FTR and Hikaru Shida. I mean, all again, all big scorers, but I think it goes to show you need a balance between Raw and SmackDown as well as uh, the, the Wednesday Night War brands. I mean, you're talking about the balance, that is important, but I think, you'll, as I said before, you will see quite a few AEW picks, especially next season because the 31st, Monday the 31st is when they, is the first official start of the season on that Monday's Raw is where the season will start. Only a few days later is the first major show of the season six will be all out, AEW's next pay-per-view. So I think you could, I can see that 
factor in any some people's picks when they're balancing out like who they want between like WWE picks and AEW picks. I hundred percent all out is going to be quite a quite a uh, considerable factor. Like someone that's not been drafted this season, MJF, that might be in the minds of a few folk come their our draft show this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. he spent some time he, he spent some time out with an injury at the start of this season. And I remember I picked him season four because he was like, I, I figured he would beat Cody and he did. But that was really the real high point of him that season. So I think this is also the best time to have him on a team. Mm. Uh, I've got no segue for uh, Team Shannon kicks, unfortunately. I'm not that uh, that creatively minded. <laughs> but uh, no, that's all right, Dave. Don't apologise for it. We'll just <laughs> crack on in the top three and... Uh, our Turkish sunbathed god right now, Ross McLeod, sitting pretty, 346 points. Couldn't get much closer after uh, Alistair Black seemed to seemingly screw him over come the end of the season. We just stopped appearing after getting his eye gouged out himself by uh, Murphy. Uh, obviously, it's been confirmed that Alistair Black's going to be on Raw tonight. Do you think that maybe he could be someone that's still drafted quite high? Uh, David, I don't think he'll be drafted as highly compared to previous seasons because other other competitors have really sort of stepped up their game and have uh, basically put their place to be first and second round draft picks. I think Alistair Black would be more suited to maybe a third or fourth round pick. A very solid scorer again this season as he has been in past seasons, but I think he's uh, starting to enter a bit of a cool down period. So I would I would hold the brakes if you're going to choose Alistair Black to be maybe a first round pick, but. Look at it. Alistair Black is Ross's second highest scorer, but that's not to say like his other team members have actually scored just as well. Because Zelina Vega scoring 55 points purely on appearances alone, that was a big boost for him at the start of the season. The Street Profits came through for him in the end with 45 points plus a successful title defense. He also had the AEW champion John Moxley giving him 49 points. So it's... Um, He's had a very, very good mixture of champions and across... Um, across the the spectrum i think the only thing that let him down was the transfer window uh he transferred out timothy thatcher for braun Strowman, and braun Strowman only got him 10 points so i mean don't get me wrong ross has been a very i've said this before ross has been a very very consistent draft performer and he's proved it again this time around i think he just got a bit unlucky following the transfer window but th- third place following a very long season is still very impressive mm-hmm I'm sure Ross especially will be happy with those 55 points he got from, from Selena. And I think despite also the big finish at SummerSlam with the win from Asuka and the Street Profits, like you said, uh, Black kind of just slowed down and like stopped appearing towards the end of the season. Street Profits had a weird couple of weeks where they weren't appearing. And then also taking Montez, also you don't get the full tag points that one week when he got poisoned for some reason. And then also Moxley uh, wasn't always wrestling weekly. Some weeks he wasn't even appearing like that time. He had to take those two weeks off because uh, Renee had did COVID. So also they took him off TV on the safe side. So it was weird that some of these big players suddenly stopped appearing in the last little bit. And I think that kind of slowed his momentum down a little bit. But also, like I said before, he finished second last season. He's finishing third this season. I think it takes some people a few seasons to properly find their groove and finally find a strategy that works for them. It took me a while and I think it's finally paying off for Ross. And I think, again, I, I feel like a broken record, but I've said it. Ross uh, 
could be a, a big uh, contender to win next season, even though he won't be there to, for the selection show. Mm. Again. 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 Uh, I won't dwell, dwell too much on our, yeah. our top two. We know it. We wait. Pretty well oh, hang on. Uh, wait, wait, I forgot to do Ross's segue. Um, so, yeah, the David Campbell Memorial 7 will live on forever. Well, <laughs> you, you interrupted me for that. Yeah. I mean, you can't even call them the Memorial 7 anymore because, like, the quote won't even stay dead. Like, <laughs> say, that Powers, say that Austin Powers, why won't you die? <laughs> Uh, so I, as I was saying, I talked to close but no cigar for our new champion of ESSR Gary. Even that's a stretch. Uh, but it's it's quite the leap to four hundred and forty-seven and a half points to our our winner. I'm not going to congratulate you because, quite frankly, you don't bloody deserve it, Stephen Wilson. You're a prick, and that's about it. You know, you've been doctor so for so long, you say to come on the last episode, just because it suited you. No, this is our goddamn show, Stephen. You don't just decide when you want to appear. You, you, you come on when you want, you come on, and that's it. So, no thanks from me. Uh, shall we talk about Team Viscera instead? Like, because Gary's been the, the swan song performer of this entire season. He, after the first week, he was positioned at ninth. Look how far he's come. He finishes the season on a high in second place. And as you mentioned earlier on, Jack, he also won the SummerSlam weekend sweepstake. So he currently now stands as the ESSR world champion, which means Mr. It's My Podcast, Stephen Wilson, is going to have to challenge Gary if he wants to win the championship. So I'm um, going through Gary's team. Sasha Banks, Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan, Candice LeRae, Jeff Hardy, and The New Day. I mean, that on paper is a winning team just by looking at it. Um, I think... Gary may have made a slight error of judgment when he didn't capitalise on the transfer window because his lowest scorer is Daniel Bryan, surprisingly, with only 18 points to his, to his name. But look at how well Sasha Banks has done for him. Sasha Banks has been the one who has surged him up the table by switching his captaincy from Seth Rollins, like who sits as his second top scorer with 68 points. Like, Gary he can only look at this as a positive, you know, despite finishing second place because he's chosen a very diverse uh, team. It was unfortunate that the new day split up after extreme rules uh, only because Kofi get injured, not because of, you know, uh, reasons, but I give, I've got to give a lot of uh, praise and admiration towards Gary. He's done extremely well with, um, with how he's played this game. And Sasha Banks has only uh, helped him elevate, you know, all his hard work. I think the thing also with Gary, when it comes to the uh, to the transfer window, is that at the time, yeah, we said he had a great team on paper, and it was doing him very well because he was starting to move at the table, and he was quite low down, I think, on the on the order of like getting to transfer people, and so I think he just thought it was a benefit to him at the time to not ch- change his team. Because at the time we had no way of knowing that obviously his tag team would certainly would not break up, but one of them would get injured and the other would go on a singles run for the last couple of weeks. And I am looking forward to him versus Stephen because you know you know Stephen being the smug prick that he is, but you shouldn't underestimate Gary because Gary we shouldn't forget is the first person to ever actually successfully defend the SSR title. He did it in the big charity quiz we did back in 2018. 
So, you know, he is formidable, even though he's not held it as many times as, as some other people. He is still a strong champion. We should not be, should not forget it. Well, at that, boys, that's, yep. that, that's, that's season five. Yep. So, again, Jack, you may not want to say anything positive about Stephen's team, but, you know, the top 1% is the number one this season. And, you know, much like, I think we've got to give some to recognise his winning team. So, team captain Bailey, uh, Andrade, Kenny Omega, Apollo Crews, Scarlett Bordeaux, and Imperium. Like, Sorry, Steve, uh, Dave. Who was that before? First, before, who was that pick you mentioned? Uh, who do you mean? When the person you said before you said Scarlett. Apollo Crews. Oh, yeah. You know, I think uh, that's somebody who people should be looking at in the first round and uh, maybe other people shouldn't find it so hilarious when other people pick them. Yeah, I completely agree. Apollo <laughs> Crews has, uh, is actually, you know, aside taking away Asuka and Seth Rollins, because they've been featured in past seasons, even though they were part of tag teams in the last season. Apollo Crews is the highest scoring newcomer to the draft this season with 70 and a half points. Like, as an individual, like, he's never appeared in past drafts before, and he's just come in and is now the highest-scoring newcomer. I expect him to be, at the very at very worst, a second-round pick uh, going into this next season. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. But, Steve, uh, you know, we, we just said that we weren't giving praise to Steven after the, the shit he's pulled, you know, no coming on when he was invited and all that. So, you know, don't come at me in the top 1%. This guy's a guy who used to have that uh, got released. Just careful, Dave. You've been warned. Actually, that's that's quite a good point. It's been quite a few times when we've we went on record to not support folk and Dave, you Jack, you've they had to show this unbiased, quote unquote. There's not very backing in the Saturday draft life, boys, is it? Hey, he played a strong game, that's all I'm saying. And you know, one of his team members didn't even score as much as ten points. Imperium only leaves with nine. And he still won the season. In well, obviously most of that's down to Bailey, but still, he played an excellent game this season. Fishy, fishy, fishy. Integrity mm. and objectivity. Oh, shut up, Kurt Angle! Shut up, Some exciting news, though, for the listeners. You'll be actually able to watch us make our draft selection through the beauty of technology and the internet we will be having a video call and it will be up in our YouTube channel on Saturday and you'll get to watch us make our draft selections and you'll get to see my beautiful face and I'm sure you're all absolutely thrilled about that (laughs) (laughs) you'll you'll get to gaze upon all of our glorious glorious faces except for Ross's although he's so tanned at the moment you wouldn't recognise him anymore if he was here But, yeah, I, I'm very much looking forward to this. I, I've said before, the, this is the best day of a show we do when we eventually get around to doing the, the draft show because, like, ever since we started it in season four, it's the, the tension and, like, it's just one of the most fun shows because, you know, tempers are flaring back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tempers flare, insults flare. And... People laugh at your picks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and strategies fall apart right in front of your eyes. You see... You see people's faces just droop when they know, like, oh, the game's a bogey. People bang the table when you you, you take their pick. <laughs> mm-hmm, yep. 
Uh, but just to follow up on your note there, Jack, uh, if you, to all our listeners out there, if you pay attention to our uh, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community page on Facebook, uh, you can keep up to date with all things draft-related as we will be posting uh, more draft-related coverage on there to keep up with how we're all doing this season. And you might even get the opportunity to select your own draft fantasy team where you can keep up with everybody here on the pod. Uh, good. Yeah, yeah. You know, we are, we are, we are. Everyone's not only talking about season five and season six. You know, we're already thinking about season seven, season eight. How we're going to get this into the mainstream? You know, being prime time like STV slot and that nine pm. You know what I mean? We're already in that kind of stratosphere. <laughs> we can't, we can't tease them too much yet, Dave. But I think the listeners and anyone, anyone else who may take interest in this draft should pick up on that note you've said. I don't want to reiterate it because you know I don't want to get hopes up too high just yet you know it's it's, it's, it's early days but certainly something into it eventually we'll get moved to two hours and move to the USA network <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what university will we be like I got what in Glasgow Cali oh hell no oh hell no 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 we're going to be good to Scott Blade <laughs> I wasn't good enough for both I was at UWS so I'll take anywhere I go what's all of that but <laughs> But on that, Scott, Dave, that's season five. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Roll credits. All right, listeners, see you on Saturday.